Welcome to the Extra Point Podcast, part of the preaching ministry of Moberly Baptist Church in East Texas. Extra Point provides helpful follow-up to Sunday's message. Specifically, it allows us to discuss some of the extra points from the message that we didn't have time to fully discuss on Sunday and even answer questions from the listening audience. To submit a question, you can email us at extrapoint at moberly.org. I'm Paul Coleman, the teaching pastor at Moberly, and today I'm joined by Jeffrey Davis, who serves as a campus pastor at our Marshall campus. Jeffrey, good to see you this morning. Glad you're here. Hey, glad to be here, Paul. It's another week in the sermon series entitled Above Every Other, and even though most of our conversation has been centered around the Old Testament, this series has a strong link to Jesus Christ. And, you know, with the series title coming from the New Testament in Philippians 2.9, we talked about this a couple episodes ago, uh, that that verse says, God highly exalted Jesus, giving Him the name that is above every name. And what I love about it is the emphasis that's really on personally knowing God by knowing the way He's revealed Himself through His names. So remind us of the two names you taught on, uh, on in Sunday's message. The two names we talked about Sunday were El Roy, which means God who sees, or uh, as Hagar said, God who sees me, and then Yahweh Yaira, the God who sees to it. <laughs> okay, so they, they sound familiar to me, but uh, I realized last night as I was thinking about this and processing it that, uh, you know, I'm right on the line of Gen X, and I'm technically a millennial, but I did grow up watching the Jetsons. And, uh, you know, the Jetsons was, I just think, I've heard this before. I've, held, I've heard Elroy. I've heard it. And then I realized it was from the Jetsons. <laughs> it, was, it was the name of the little boy uh, on the Jetsons. And so if you're a boomer out there, a Gen Xer, you probably know about Elroy. But, uh, you know, we're talking about something completely different. So, you know, that was just a name, L-E-L-R-O-Y. But we're talking about a compound Hebrew name of God, L E L. Uh, which is that part of it that comes from the first uh, one we talked about, Elohim, uh, that is God is powerful, He's supreme, and He's sovereign. And the second part, Roy, R-O-I, is that uh, God sees. So, Paul, take us a little deeper into this name, El Roy. Well, the idea is that God sees all of our lives. You know, a couple of verses I didn't cover in the message uh, that I want to talk about a little bit were the fact that David said in Psalm 139, verse 16, you saw me before I was born. And then in Psalm 116, 15, it says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And so from even the before we were actually born, when our life begins at conception till the day that we go to heaven for followers of Jesus Christ, all those days of our lives are seen by the Lord. And I just would like to say to our listening audience, never doubt that in your life, whatever you're going through, the Bible confirms that all through life, the Lord sees us. And that that just means He's present. He, he knows about us. He's aware of us. Because you know how it is. We tend to think when things are rough in our lives, and we'll talk about this more in a minute, that maybe the Lord's forgotten us or He hasn't seen mm-hmm. us. He's not aware. And so um, I love that, actually. That can either be a very comforting thought or it can be a very convicting thought. Right. And sometimes it can be both at the same time. Yeah. Um, but a verse I learned early in my discipleship is Second Chronicles 16, 9. It says, The eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show himself strong for those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. And I remember reading that and thinking, I'm right here, Lord. I'm right here. Mm-hmm. Stop looking. <laughs> I'll be that guy for you. I love that, that the Lord, it, it kind of goes back to what we talked about last episode about the idea of the Lord wanting our supreme love, that He's looking for people who will love Him supremely. These actually, His eyes are actually... Now, the Lord doesn't have to search anything. He knows everything. But I love the metaphor there of the Lord seeing us, looking for us, searching for us. And um, 
And, and you know, speaking of trouble, the book of Job talks about several times, uh, eight times, I think, where it talks about the eyes of the Lord. And in a, in a book where we know Job went through incredible suffering and questioning and all those things, his friends coming around him and giving him really bad advice, all those kind of things, the consistency of God seeing his life all through those dark times is encouraging. We should all walk away from understanding God as El Roy with the idea that there's never going to be a time the Lord won't see me. Hmm. I'll never actually be alone. I may be not around other people, but I will never be by myself. The Lord will always be with me. You know, that's what uh, sin kind of confuses our minds and our hearts. So we we usually think that when we uh, are in a tough place, or maybe it's sin that took us there, uh, we automatically think that uh, we're alone in it. And not only do we forget about God, but a lot of times we shut out other people too. And uh, we think, wow, nobody knows Nobody sees what I'm going through. Nobody understands, and we tell these things. We tell these things to ourselves. Uh, but you're right. The reality is, God sees. God knows, and uh, <laughs> that could be convicting. Uh, but even then, it is comforting. Uh, you know, the Bible's full of references to God seeing both good and bad. Uh, in fact, as I was studying this, uh, I would give suggestions to our listeners to go through using your Bible tools. And if you need some help, please email extra point at moberly.org. We'd love to give you some tools to do this, but search the Bible for the two phrases, the eyes of God, and another phrase, in the sight of the Lord. Those two phrases come up over and over and over again, especially through the Old Testament. And two things stand out to me about this name, El Roy. It's only used one time. Of all the times that we see the eyes of God and in the sight of the Lord, this name of God is only used one time. And it's only uh, the only time it is used uh, is given to God from a person. It's the only time any name of God has been given to God by a person. So, you know, we talked about Genesis sixteen thirteen in the message, uh, which, which says uh, of Hagar that she named the Lord who spoke to her, you are El Roy. So what do you say to someone who wonders how Hagar, of all people, could name God? Yeah, that's a good question. Actually, a listener... Sent me a question about that a couple of weeks ago, knowing that we were going to ultimately get to this, and they said that very question: What is what? How could a person, any person, but particularly maybe even Hagar, like you mentioned, how could she have the authority to name God? How could she, you know, be put in that position? And the way to think about that is that she named him. She called out what was true about him. She called her the name of God out based on what her experience had been with God. And you have to understand it. Kind of goes back to the idea of inspiration of Scripture. How is how were people inspired to write the Bible? Um, <clears throat> and there's a lot of discussion we could have about that. But basically, here's the thing that I think of when I when I think of a passage like this that may be a little confusing is when Jesus came. If if, if Hagar, if we had written that down wrong, if, if the people who Moses in this case had written Genesis down, if he had written that incorrectly, then Jesus would have corrected that. Jesus said several times when he came, "If it were not so, I would have told you." <laughs> you know. And I came to correct some things, well, but not the Word of God. He didn't come to correct. He often came to correct wrong thinking about the Word of God or about God. But if he was, if this hadn't been true, and under inspiration, if Hagar hadn't called out the name of God or realized the name of God, I'm not sure it was her idea necessarily, but she was inspired to call him the name El Roy. Uh, because of her interaction with him, then Jesus would have corrected that. And that's the way I look at all the Old Testament. If people have a problem with the Old Testament in some other place and they say, well, how could this have happened? Or what do you say about this? 
I go back to Jesus. To me, everything centers around Jesus. And if Jesus had, if we had gotten it wrong at some point, because I hear that argument sometimes from people who don't know the Lord and they may be a little critical of the Bible and they say, well, you know, it's just a bunch of stuff that people wrote down over time. It can't be true. It's so ancient and old and all those things. And maybe they have some other specific complaints about a particular incident in the Old Testament or, or something seeming impossible. And I just say, well, Jesus came and Jesus didn't correct it. So if Jesus didn't correct it, it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. That's the way I approach that. <laughs> yeah. And so basically the way I look at that is that she called out what was already true about God. And God used her through her interaction with him to reveal himself to all of us as Elroy. Right. He is revealing himself to us through Hagar. And Hagar was not the typical citizen of Israel. Uh, she was not even a necessarily spiritual leader. She was not prominent. In fact, she's almost the opposite of all those things. And so what does it tell us about God that he would reveal himself through someone like Hagar? Yeah, I mean, as common a person, as insignificant in terms of status or... Um, Standing in the community, first of all, in that day and time, a woman didn't have any credentials. They didn't have any, uh, outside of being married to a man, they were basically considered property, which is not, it was a cultural thing. It wasn't necessarily something God ordained. But but to be a slave and to be from Egypt, said she was an Egyptian slave, so she wasn't even living in the land that she grew up in. She's with these people that share different customs than her. So completely thrown out of everything that's familiar to her and and now she's a slave so she's at the you know beckoning of someone else to so all these things are working against her it really is the same picture that Israel was the slave in Egypt when God called them to be his people but we see that all through the bible god uses very imperfect um very unknown very common people and mm-hmm. as a theme throughout the bible we could talk For about sure. all the different places and so it's encouraging to think well if god saw her what he was saying is to me, and as I understand that, if, if God sees her, he sees me. That's right. That's right. And I think we'll see that throughout the Bible. Hagar's story is critical in piecing together the history of God's people, uh, even though she, like you said, was not even an Israelite. Uh, but we can easily become confused by that because there are lots of twists and turns in the story. And Bible readers, especially early on in their discipleship, uh, probably have a, a lot of moments where they get a little bit confused when reading the Old Testament. And in last week's episode, I mentioned a resource. I mentioned the Bible Project Illustrated Bible Explanation videos, which are really, really cool. In fact, I went back and watched a couple more this week, and I just figured out as I was doing that and starting to use the Version Bible app more and more, uh, whether it's with church on Sundays or my own personal Bible reading or devotionals, and I realized you can actually find the Bible Project videos within that app. So if you're using the Uversion Bible app, as you're reading, anytime you see the Discover icon, which is an icon that's going to show up in the top left corner of any page that you're on, whether you're reading a devotional or a Bible verse or anything like that, the Discover icon looks similar to a compass. And anytime you see that, you touch it, and it'll show you a related videos section. Uh, which includes the Bible Project and more. So all those resources are there for you. That's an awesome tool. Our church uses the Uversion app regularly to put out sermon notes and things like that, and so it's a great tool for your spiritual development. But speaking of discover, Paul, you made a spiritual discovery this week. <laughs> At Moberly, we talk about the disciple-making process in three simple steps that repeat over and over again for our entire 
lives. And discover uh, is the first part of that. You discover a spiritual truth, uh, then you own that spiritual truth, you apply it to your life, and then you lead someone else to discover or own that spiritual truth. And you've been a teaching pastor, pastor and teaching the Bible for decades now. So tell me more about how you felt uh, and I think this came across a little bit in your message, uh, which I love the transparency of that. But tell me more about how you felt. What was going on inside your heart and your mind when you made a spiritual discovery? And then maybe tell us what it was you discovered. Well, for me, you know, opening the Bible every time and studying it, there are times, obviously, that I've studied a passage previously. Uh, and I always, when I start to prepare for a message or a Bible study, I try to just start from scratch. I try to not even get my old notes out because sometimes it's been years since I've looked at that. And and for me to be for it to be fresh, I just try to start over. So I go to the original language as much as I can. Look at an interlinear. Usually, that's the first thing I'll do. So if I'm in the case of Yahweh Yara, you know, I, I went to where's the first place that's mentioned in the Bible? Where's it talked about in the Bible? Well, it's talked about in Genesis 22 with the story of Abraham and God telling him to sacrifice his son. The son, by the way, that that he's going to fulfill this promise to Abraham through. Abraham doesn't have any kids, so he, how's he going to be the father of many offspring without any kids? Hmm. And and so and these stories, these two stories about these two names that we talked about are related, obviously, because they're both about the life of Abraham. But as I was studying that, so I'll go back to the original language, and all my life, as since I've been a believer anyway, I've heard the name Jehovah Jireh, yep. Yahweh Yireh, um, God's our provider. Provider kind of sounds like you know, Jaira, provider. It's kind of, and it rhymes, and there's a little song that I learned. Yeah, yeah, I learned that song after I became a Christian. And uh, But I had never, I don't think I had ever gone back and, and really studied the origin of the the name and the original language. And so I shared this in the message as I was, I'd studied one name, and typically what I'll do is I, the way I approach studying is I'll, with these names especially, it's like I said, I'll just go to the Bible, figure out where it's first used, and then I just begin to make notes, and I begin to make notes on all the places that that is referenced in the Bible uh, or those ideas are there. And I just have like a couple of pages of notes for each name. And then I'll go through and just pray about, Lord, what should I share in the message? And that's how I kind of craft the message. And these are a little bit different. These messages are a little different than a normal sermon because, you know, we're just tackling two names each week. And um, honestly, when I when I put the sermon series together, uh, it was kind of a quick thing for me, and uh, I didn't know this was coming. And this was yeah. kind of a last-minute thing, and I just began to say, "Lord, I need your help, direction." You know, and I didn't really know when I put the two names together each week how they might actually complement each other or go together. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know. I just tried to pray about that and say, "Lord, you know, guide me, direct me here." So when I started studying Yara, the name Yahweh Yara. Uh, as I went through the interlinear and looked, and you click on the word for Yaira, which is uh, goes back to the origin, the root word of Ra'a, which is to see. And so I thought my phone was messing up. I used my phone because it's a lot faster than my old iPad, honestly. So I used my phone. And and it kept, I did this like four times. It kept going back. And I was thinking, man, my phone is messing up. It's going back to Roy, El Roy, which I'd <laughs> studied just a few minutes before that. So I finally turned the thing off, turned it back on. Classic. Yeah, and anyway, then I just said, okay, it did it again. I said, okay, I'm just gonna, um, I'm gonna get my iPad out. And I'm gonna use my iPad. So I got my iPad out, tried it, and it did the same thing. And I said, what is going on? I mean, I, all my life I've heard Yaira means provider, but it says to see, and so that's what Ra means to see. So how in the world do we get provider in English from to see? 
And so I began to do more. So I started looking it up, doing more study and, and looking at different sites, commentaries and uh, different things. And what I realized, two things I realized, and there's the two discoveries, basically. One was that it does literally mean, Yara means to see, but it's not just to see, it's to see to it. That's the idea is to handle it, to take care of it. But it's bigger than that because the word provision, which is where we get the word provider from, it has the word vision in it. And I and it started. I just started going, wow. I mean, I'm I'm sitting there in a room by myself studying this, and I and I just said, wow. I was like, that is the craziest thing. It's so cool. I so what does pro mean? Pro vision. Pro means before. It can mean before. Prevision is a way to think about that. That God sees our need before we need it, and He sees to it. <laughs> he yeah. sees to our need before we need it, which means we know that He knows the future. We know that He knows everything, past, present, and future, but that. When we face a challenge, whatever that might be in our life, and we need his provision in our life, it's not like we have to go tell him about it. Hey, Lord, I really need help with this. We do that often, and I do that all the time. But what was a new discovery for me was the fact that he's already seen the need, and he's already put things in place to meet it even before I knew I needed it. Yeah. So how does (laughs) that change the way you relate to God on a personal level, knowing that? Oh, man. I just go, he's got it. So when people say God's got this, that's a, a catchphrase you'll hear. Uh, we heard it a lot when my wife was diagnosed with cancer. God's mm-hmm. got this. Well, that doesn't mean, and we would, so people would leave our hospital room and, and Christy would look at me and she'd go, what does that mean? Does that mean I'm going to die or live? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> wow. None of us know that. Right. You know, are you going to get over cancer? Are you going to struggle with cancer for many years? Are you going to die from cancer? I mean, we're very honest with each other. And so we just talk about all that stuff while we're crying and- and I told her, I said, and of course, I didn't realize this specific meaning, but I said, what that means to me, God's got this, is whatever happens, I'm still in, under God's control and God's um, in control of all the elements, whatever they might be, the things that I can't control. But understanding the name now, Yahweh Yara, I understand that before we ever got here, God had already prepared. He'd already seen to this in our lives. And again, Right now, she's cancer-free, and, and we don't know if that's the way it'll be always or whatever, but but we can see his prevision. We can see hmm. how he put things in place. Like I mentioned, Dr. Chip Hodges, who became a member here at our church several years ago, and I remember when he and his wife went through our membership class, and, and then a couple of years ago, he went through deacon training, and I got to know him on a much more personal level. And so then for him to be Christie's doctor— and be a friend and be someone who's so accessible to us and just has helped us so much, I can look back and see, okay, God brought him not just to Longview, but to our church and then brought him into an even closer circle in the deacon training so that I got to know him on a Mm -hmm. personal level so that I felt completely at ease trusting his wisdom and decisions and things he was counseling us in. It wasn't a total stranger coming into our room like the first doctor that came into our room and scared us to death. He was a trusted friend who was coming into our room who also had the medical expertise to guide us through this. And again, the outcome is a kind of irrelevant. <laughs> We're in a good outcome right now with her cancer, but that's sort of not the point. The point is we can see, and there's there's a couple other things that relate to that. I mean, Christy was on a medication for years that she had decided, and her doctors had decided she didn't need to be on anymore, and, and the, the need had passed. She didn't really need it any longer, and so... About six months before she was diagnosed, she decided to get to wean off this medicine, which 
there were horror stories about getting off this particular medicine, and she didn't have any of those problems. She didn't have any of those side effects. She got off of it without any problems. But if she'd have still been on that medication with it, when she got diagnosed, she would have had to stop it immediately, which could have been which could have made this cancer thing a whole lot worse. So even in that, before we ever got to the diagnosis, there was the prevision of the Lord. Mm. There was the the seeing to it in our lives. So that I, I see that and I go, you know, I don't know why I would ever doubt that, but it but there's little things like that as you study the word where you think that's something I didn't really fully own before, but now I do. Mm. And you know, for those of us who are ministers and connect group leaders and just loving Christian friends who try to figure out what we can say when people face these incredibly hard things in their lives. And we don't want to go in there and just give them platitudes. We don't want to go in there and say things to them in their hospital room or at their home or whatever that are going to leave them thinking, oh, that sounds good for you, but what am I supposed to do with that? You know, right. How do I really deal with that? Well, to me, to talk about who God is, to talk about God's character, Yahweh Yireh is seeing to it. He's already seen to it. What you need to do is start looking <laughs> for right. how he is seen to it. <laughs> That's right. Because he has seen to it. He's faithful. Now, I don't know what that means. I don't know exactly what that means. But if you start looking, what I can promise you is that you're going you're gonna to see how he has seen to it and is seeing to it in your life. That's right. Yeah, the outcome is not the most important part. The most important part is that God the the creator of all the universe sees your need and has already seen to it. So yeah. El Roy, God, the God who sees that uh, powerful uh, God who sees even the small things, and then uh, Yahweh Yaira, uh, the God who is self-existent, who's personal and present, uh, who sees too that your needs are met, uh, and not just that you get what you want, but that. He, because he's Elroy, he knows what the outcome should be. And so we've got to take both of those names and let them both kind of do some work in our hearts so that we understand, yes, it's so good to know that God sees me and he's personal, but also whatever happens, happens because he ordained it to be, and that's the best. Yeah. And so that hurts sometimes, yeah. uh, but it brings us this great uh, level of confidence and trust in knowing that wherever we end up and wherever we are, uh, we have an advocate, uh, we have a, a friend, um, but we also have the Creator yeah. who... Uh, El Elyon, <laughs> the, most right, the Most High. The Most High, and He's on our side, and we get to be on His side, maybe is a more yeah, appropriate yeah, yeah. way to say Both it. are true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Man, uh, talk more about uh, the, the Ra'ah and how you found that, and uh, maybe the tools you use? Yeah, I use Bible Hub. I mentioned this before. Uh, BibleHubHUB.com is a great tool. There's an app or a website, whichever you want to use. But there's just a lot of tools there for you. You can type in uh, Scripture refer reference, and then there's, there's a lot of abbreviations on there. So I would say if you're going to go there and kind of just go there and explore, go there and look around, there are... Um, uh, commentaries on there. There are uh, all kinds of tools. Interlinear, there's uh, languages, Greek and Hebrew. And again, I haven't even explored the whole site, but there's all kinds of stuff there. Everything you could find on a bookshelf in a pastor's office, you can probably find on that website in terms of tools. And so uh, it's a great way to study, even if you don't know a lot about the original languages. You can still uh, click on the word or click on the interlinear and then click on the little, because you see the links are blue, so you know there are live links. You can click on them and they'll take you to 
what the word meant originally and oftentimes what it meant in classical language. Of course, with the Hebrew, there wasn't any classical Hebrew, but I mean, Hebrew was the Jews' language. But it, but like with the Greek, you know, Greek was used not just in Christianity, but in the culture of the time and stuff too. Right. So, so you can find out how the word was used in other contexts and uh, to give it sort of a nuance or meaning. So just a lot of tools there, and that's... Uh, my favorite go-to is Bible Hub. I've just started using it. I obviously have a lot of books on my shelf that I used to use, but man, this just makes it so easy. It's it's at the touch of my thumb, and it's right there. And even if I think I'm going to the wrong word, <laughs> I go over and over again and figure it out. And that's so. So I, I think going forward, when I think about these names, one of the other discoveries that I thought about was, you know, from that little incident that happened with Yira was, I'm not going to just assume I know what any of these names just because. That they're, you know, uh, used in some uh, particular way already in the in the culture, in the Christian culture, or whatever, a song or right. whatever. I'm not going to assume anything. I'm going to approach each one of these and say, okay, what does the original say? What? How do we get that idea? And then what does that really mean from Scripture? How do we see that lived out in Scripture? And then how do I apply that to my life? So I'm these sermons. I'm just learning so much. I'm loving it. That's gonna, so cool. Yeah. Well, words in the in the Bible are, are so important, not just because uh, it gets translated here and there and uh, from the original to another version, and then maybe from that to a different version, and then uh, and sometimes, in some cases, all the way to a paraphrase, and we're reading those things devotionally, uh, but God inspired, and you mentioned this earlier, God inspired these people. Uh, he met them in a personal way yeah. and worked through them, to, and they chose particular words on purpose with divine inspiration. And so not even a single, you know, little tick mark, right, as we've all yep. heard in theology classes, uh, not a, maybe in more, more uh, uh, colloquial terms, not a dot or a tittle, right? None of that comes by accident. It's all on purpose. And so, uh, yep. and I love your story about discovering that. Uh, I think there's leaders out there in our church who haven't made a, a spiritual discovery in a while, hmm. and they've been, they've discovered things, they've owned them, they've applied them to their lives. And now they're finding themselves in leadership, and I would just want to say to them, as a spiritual leader, if you're not continuing that cycle, going back to discovery and discovering and owning, uh, then that's that's what's going to eventually burn you out as a leader. So if you feel tired as a leader, if you feel like you're kind of at the end of your rope, if you feel like you're you've just been doing the classes over and over again and teaching the curriculum, man, dig into what the Bible really tells us and teaches us about God. And really spend time with God in prayer and looking at the Scripture and asking Him, show me something about you. Teach me something new. Refresh me. You know, David even wrote that in the Psalms a few times. Refresh my soul, O God. And I think those are great things that we could be praying and thinking as leaders. You uh, talked about ra'ah and, uh, and to see. Mention uh, a little bit more about how you discover from Genesis 22 the emphasis or the, uh, the importance of Mount Moriah. Yeah, Abraham was told to go to Moriah and sacrifice his son. So he travels to this mountain. Uh, we see Moriah several places in Scripture. We see it in 1 Chronicles 3, 2 Samuel 24, where in 2 Samuel 24, uh, David had sinned against the Lord, and um, he wanted to sacrifice, and the Lord had given him three options. And you can read that for mm. yourself about because he had sinned against the Lord and counted his troops and trusted in himself, basically, versus trusting in the Lord. And um, and so he was on Mount Moriah, and Arana was a man who had a, it was a Jebusite who had a threshing floor there, and he had his oxen and the yokes and all these things. And 
And David said, well, I need to sacrifice to the Lord, so uh, to worship the Lord. And so Arana said, well, I'll give you I'll give you all of it. You can have the threshing floor, the oxen for the burnt offering. You can have the yokes and all that stuff. And David makes a great statement. He says, I will not offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing, you know, right. something like that. Yeah. And so that happens on Mount Moriah. Ultimately, Mount Moriah is the Temple Mount. Right. It's where the temple, the Lord's temple Solomon's in Jerusalem, temple. Yeah, yeah, was built. And so um, that literally means, Moriah means seen by God. It's one of the meanings, is seen by God. It has the word ra'ah in it as well. And so basically for Abraham, he named the place where he was, the Mount Moriah, he named it the, the place where the Lord will see to it. Hmm. And, and so it's a place seen by God, a place seen by God where God will see to it. <laughs> wow. And that's what it means. And that's ultimately where the temple was. And, you know, the temple and the temple was the Holy of Holies, the innermost part of the temple where the, the manifestation of the presence of the Lord was. And so, um, and not far from ultimately where Jesus, the, the ultimate Lamb of God, gave his life on right. Mount Golgotha, but just probably a few miles from that. But uh, that's such an amazing thing when you start to think about those the specialness of that, and that's where it started with Abraham saying, I'm not going to put anything before you, Lord. I'm not going to let anything, even my own son, who I love, the Bible makes it clear who I love, but I don't love him more than you. Mm -hmm. I love you more. And so that's the significance of that, a place seen by God. Yeah. You know, we talk about uh, next steps that we can take a lot and how we can uh, think about these things that we're learning and, and let them transform us and become different people. And the first thing I think of related to what you're talking about is how God is always up to something bigger. And we think about Him seeing us and His provision, and the, and the tendency for us is to kind of get uh, uh, tunnel vision a little bit and to think, even in gratitude, that God sees me. Uh, but God also sees the big picture, and everything He's doing in us is is fits with what He's doing for all of eternity uh, to build His kingdom. And and you see that through that story from Abraham to many many years later to David to many you know to a few years later to Solomon, and how that one place had an importance uh, throughout the the history of the Israelites. Well, that applies to us too, and it may be where, where God sees you in your need. Uh, he may meet that need in a way that allows him to accomplish other things through your life. And so always remembering that God is up to something bigger, I think, is one of the ways that it transforms us. What ideas do you have about that? I agree. I think that's great. You know, so many times we're so focused on here and now and not on eternity. And when we become a Christian, one of the things that becomes true of our life is we obviously want to have an eternal perspective. We know that we're eternal, that we're not just here and now, that we live on forever. And and so when you start to think of your life in that context of how God is is using, it's part of the provision I did, how God's used people in my life to get me to the place where I am, but also then how He wants to use me um, in other people's lives. You know, uh, I was thinking about a story. I don't know if I can share it, so I better not. But, you know, <laughs> I, I just haven't had permission from the person, but I think that Oh my goodness, so many times in my life, I, I, God's used people in my life who didn't even know that He was using them, and then I have to believe that He's doing the same thing with my life and other people's lives. And so when I get discouraged, I need to stop and think sometimes about that idea that, that there's a much bigger picture going on, a much bigger story going on. And to get and because God's faithful, I don't ever have to doubt that that's true. Right. It's always going on. So... 
that's a blessing just to be part of that. And if I can't find, if I'm struggling to find joy in anything else in my life, that ought to be a thing that I can continually find joy in is to know that he's faithfully going to use what's going on in my life and other people's lives. Absolutely. Well, we hope this podcast has been helpful to you as a leader, as you lead your connect group, your discipleship group, or in your own personal study of God's word. We're going to put some things on the show notes today to help you uh, further your study. And one of those is going to be a resource from Dr. Tony Evans that you can find on the YouVersion app, a devotional plan, a simple six-day devotional plan called Six Days of the Names of God. It'll take you about five to six minutes to do each of those devotionals, and it might be something you can add to your devotional routine or do something to mix it up a little bit. But as always, I want to invite you to tune in next Tuesday for another episode of the Extra Point Podcast. Tune in Sunday to Moberly online via Facebook, YouTube, or Moberly.org. We're excited, Paul, to relaunch in-person worship gatherings on all of our campuses again May 24th. And for more information about that, go to Moberly.org.